Morning, Christ Church. Outsiders are in, seekers shall find, and all the nations shall come to God's light. That's the message of the gospel reading today, the story of the Magi who make their way following the star to the place of Jesus' birth. Outsiders are in, seekers shall find, and the nations shall come to God's light. Today's the first day of Epiphany. That word epiphany is one that we use sometimes just in our everyday uh, colloquially to mean a revelation, an insight. I had an epiphany. I had an insight. And it literally means the revelation or the appearing. To reveal something is to shed light on it. You know how we'll sometimes say, you know, it dawned on me. We think about where that comes from, the light shone It dawned on me. To reveal something is to shed light on it. That's what happens in Matthew chapter 2 where a star illuminates the sky and the star is this guidepost. It directs the Magi to Jesus where their Savior was then finally and fully revealed to them. You might have noticed already that our liturgy and prayers are different this morning. We're using a liturgy developed by the Anglican Church of Kenya for the next couple of months. Anybody recognize that already before I said it? Yeah? So a few of you recognize this because we do this every year during Epiphany. Uh, We do it during Epiphany because of the meaning of Epiphany, of this revelation of Jesus for the first time in today's story, in the Magi, that story, it's the first time that Jesus is revealed to the Gentiles. In the mid-20th century, there was a revival in East Africa. As many nations of East Africa were transformed by the power of the good news of Jesus Christ, one of the themes that became prominent in this revival was light and the call to walk in the light, to walk in the power of the one who is the light of the world. Jesus Christ, and this is reflected in the liturgy of this Kenyan liturgy. We'll see it again in the service, but let me go back to a prayer we already prayed and highlight this for you. We just prayed, Almighty God, you bring to light things hidden in darkness and know the shadow of our hearts. Cleanse and renew us by your spirit that we may walk in the light and glorify your name through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. In our Old Testament reading, Isaiah, he foretold, we just heard this, that nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Nations shall come to the light, like Kenya, with whom we join in worship through our liturgy today across miles, oceans, cultures, like Cambodia, where we've partnered over the years at the invitation of the Anglican church there and have established this long-term relationship with them. Like in Guatemala, where we've partnered for now 15 years to serve a remarkable ministry there among the poorest of the poor in Guatemala. We're taking a team, in fact, again this summer. It's been a few years because of COVID. We haven't had anybody go down. And um, this summer, we're taking a team again. You'll hear about that more in the next couple of weeks, uh, the trip that will happen in June. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. But who are these people called the Magi in our text today? They are from Persia, which means, as I've said, that they are Gentiles. They were probably from a tribe of priests who were teachers and instructors of Persian kings. 
advisors, counselors. They were seen as wise, as something to contribute to the kings. No sacrifice, for example, could be offered in Persia unless one of the magi were present for it. They were experts on the movements of the stars and the planets, much like astronomers today. So it'd be kind of like if you took together these two uh, words we have today, astronomers who who understand technically how things work in the skies, the movements of planets and stars, and they study that. Astronomers understand that. And you take that word and you kind of mash that up with the word astrologer, which are the people who kind of read meaning into the movements of the planets and stars and foretell things and kind of like in that vein of palm reading and so on, astrologers that kind of divine something from the movements of the planet and stars. These magi were kind of a combination of, they were experts in the skies and they had this other dimension that was something like a sorcerer's work, magicians, enchanters, interpreters of dreams, advisors, priests, all of that kind of brought together. That's what a magi was. And this is the very thing that Israel was warned against. You read through the Old Testament, there's a number of places where God will tell the Israelites, do not go and seek your counsel and seek your guidance from these magicians and sorcerers and so on. Do not trust their counsel. That is idolatry. I am your guide. In Isaiah 47, in fact, we have a whole chapter devoted to this warning about going and seeking counsel from those uh, enchanters, sorcerers, magicians, astrologers instead of Yahweh. In verse 13 of chapter 47 of Isaiah, it says this, kind of an indictment. Let now the astrologers, those who prophesy by the stars, those who predict by the new moons, stand up and save you from what will come upon you. The Magi were also, as I've mentioned, Gentiles. So far in the biblical story, God's people were marked by their food laws, by the practice of circumcision, by their Sabbath-keeping, and by their ethnic identity as the Hebrew people. These were the markers of what it meant to be Jewish, to be God's people. And these were the only people, up until this point in the story, the only people with whom God had entered into a covenant and revealed Himself. So... This word, this sign, this invitation to the Magi would have been quite subversive and surprising as a choice on God's part. These are the outsiders, Gentile sorcerers. Get this VIP invitation to this small group of people to welcome the Messiah. And you would think that these are the least deserving guests to receive this divine invitation and this heavenly escort to welcome the birth of the Messiah. But God summons not only Gentile sorcerers to the scene. Who else is there that we know about? We have each week the kids have been bringing up uh, the scene of the nativity here, filling it as Joseph and Mary came at Christmas Those pieces entered, and each week different pieces entered, and today is the Feast of the Epiphany, and and today enter the Magi, but others at that scene are shepherds. Shepherds were also notoriously outsiders. They were considered low class, 
dirty, smelly. They were not the people who were invited to the big parties. So here we have Gentile sorcerers, the Magi, shepherds. And yet when you look at the parties of Jesus, you see that this is just exactly the kinds of things that are consistent with who Jesus is as an adult. All the meals that he will share and all the parables he will tell that have to do with banquets, parties, feasts, unlikely guests, whether it's the story of the prodigal son or Zacchaeus, the hated tax collector, or the gluttons or the drunkards, all the stories of Jesus of meals that he tells and the parables and the ones he participates all the way down to his last meal where he invites, welcomes to the table at that final meal the very person who's going to betray him. This is the invitation list to the party, to the meal. You see that it's the outsiders often in Scripture that have open hearts. And it's the insiders often as you read through the Gospels who have hard hearts. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees or the religious leaders and his hard words for them because their hearts are hard. Jesus would be so commonly seen with what you might call the underbelly of Jewish society that most of the insiders will reject him and his message. It is to hungry hearts that Jesus came. Open, hungry hearts, whether they came from near or far, whether they have an inside track or not. When Jesus came, the ends of the world, ends of the earth, the, the outsiders of the world are gathered here at his cradle. It was the first sign and symbol of the kingdom, you might say, this gathering, that his life would embody throughout his years on this earth. It was the first sign and symbol of the radical hospitality of Christ in his day. The world was about to turn, Jesus is saying, even in his birth. Outsiders are in. This is both a comfort to you and me and a challenge. It's a comfort and a challenge, this message. Here's the comfort. We might have felt like the outsiders ourselves. We might have felt like even, even those of us who are here, here today, like God says, you don't really belong here. Some, for some reason, maybe you feel like something in your past, where you come from, your story, your background, your status, your education level, your income level, the things you've done, the, the shame that you carry with you, you feel like, I don't really belong here. And the radical hospitality of Jesus, as we see in this story, is Yes, you do. This is the comfort. Yes, you do belong here. Here in the church, among God's people, we belong no matter what, because we're in Christ. In Christ, we all belong. That's the comforting message. And here's the challenge. God requires the same thing of us that he himself demonstrates. And the challenge is he calls us, he challenges us to the same kind of radical hospitality ourselves. That hospitality that these 
on the invitation list were shown, the Gentile sorcerers and the shepherds, the invitation, the merciful invitation that you and I have been given. He says, now you extend that invitation with the same kind of radical hospitality. Now, if we use one of the the words that has uh, kind of been flying around the past few years today to describe the attitude that many of the insiders or religious leaders would have had about the Magi's, it would be that they ought to be canceled. They're in that category. So I want to ask you this. Who would be on your list? Who, who, go ahead and grab a pen. There's one in front of you. Or get your phone out. You can write this down. I want you to get like really specific and concrete. Who are you tempted to cancel? Now, I know that all of us think we don't do that. All that canceling stuff that everybody's talking about, I don't do that. But I want you to shine the light, let God shine the light, and maybe show, is there, who do you condemn? Let me put it a different way. Who do you judge? Who do you want to write off? Is it somebody that hurts you in a way that really cut deep? They sinned against you. They, they, you, are, you have a righteous kind of anger about what happened. You really were harmed. But you just want to write them off because of it. Condemn. Judge. Is it perhaps some kind of category or class of people that you want to reject? People who come from a different kind of background than you. Maybe or somebody who has a different political position than you or a the- different theological position than you or maybe you judge the rich or maybe you judge the poor or maybe you judge whatever it is or maybe it's a person's name that you are writing down. We might struggle with this like the religious leaders did then and maybe if this exercise is a little difficult for us, then we can have some compassion on the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and the religious leaders who were the insiders. Because this is how they felt when the people who got the invitations were the outsiders. The people who were on their write-off list. And so we can have some compassion ourselves and in many ways we are the insiders now in the kingdom of God. But we can be a different kind of insider. We can be insiders reflecting the love of Jesus, this radical hospitality, this mercy of Jesus, because the loving and strong arm of the Lord reaches out to you and to the person that's on your cancel list, both. So the outsiders are in, the seekers shall find, is another message of the Magi. This message, this story of the seeking, it's a story that we see throughout all of the scriptures and all these kinds of journeys and pilgrimages, whether it's Paul on the road to Emmaus, uh, not Emmaus, road road to, I'm sorry, who said it? Damascus, there we go, Damascus. Um, or it's Abraham and Sarah and their journey into the unknown. Or we, we see, the, see these road stories, these journey stories, these pilgrimage stories all over. And there's this, this kind of on the way that God is speaking to us while we're on journeys. The seekers shall find. What we see here is not faith in this kind of journey, and especially of the Magi, as they are on this long journey. We don't see faith as an ascent to an idea. Like they 
We're told something and they, it's abstract, it's just an idea, a concept in the head, and they have to kind of decide cognitively whether they can assent to that being true or not and whether they believe that or not. What we don't see, what we see is not faith as an assent to an idea, but faith embodied in action. There's actual steps taken that are their response of faith. So they just get a little bit of light. They don't have the whole revelation. They just get a little bit of light and they are obedient to that light and they take a step out. And that right there is their faith. This process of seeking that they're on is itself a faithful response. Faith as a gesture Faith embodied as little as putting one foot in front of the other. And sometimes that's what it looks like for us. This morning, you put one foot in front of the other and you came here this morning. You showed up. And that right there, even if you feel like you have nothing more than a tiny little dot of light in the sky of your life, it just feels dark, but there's a tiny little light. And you got out of bed and you made it here. You are expressing faith. You're living a life of faith. You put one step, one foot in front of another. You are faithing towards the truth. And so are the Magi. They are faithing as they seek. Faithing towards the truth. Before they even understand who Jesus is, before they even know the whole story, they are faithing towards the truth. Faith with uncertainty, faith without the whole picture is still faith. It's still faithfulness to God. Otherwise, the word makes no sense. We could just eliminate the word faith from our vocabulary. One theologian puts it like this. What is obvious and demonstrable doesn't require faith. We don't need faith when confronted with unshakable certainties accessible to our powers of reason, imagination, or sensory experience. We need faith precisely at those twilight moments when our lives and the world are full of uncertainty, during the cold night of God's silence. And its function is not to allay our thirst for certainty and safety, but to teach us to live with mystery. God reveals himself to the Magi through Creation at the beginning. He reveals himself to us. He reveals himself to humans through creation. They follow a star. And this star is a sign. It's the little light that they have. They follow the little light that they have in creation. And they follow it to Jerusalem. Even the stars are arranged as a signpost. And there's a kind of wonder about this. These stars are the stars pointing at Jesus. And it makes me think of this moment, just as we all, during the gospel reading, we, kind of like the stars of the heavens, reposition themselves to focus on Jesus. We do that every time the gospel is read here. We reposition ourselves, we reorient ourselves as a community to be centered on the good news of Jesus Christ as it's read, as the gospel is read. Creation now, in the movement of the star, repositions itself, reorients itself toward the Creator. God reveals himself through creation, through the natural world, natural beauty. We've been talking about this the past month or so, natural wonders. But also he reveals himself in creation through natural law, natural order. He reveals himself. 
but it's only partial. God reveals himself then through Scripture. So the Magi, they're traveling and they're following the light that they have and creation and they make their way to Jerusalem. King Herod summoned all the teachers of the Scriptures to find where this Messiah was supposed to be born. So he gathers teachers of the scriptures and they tell him that the prophet Micah says that the Messiah is going to be born in this little town called Bethlehem. And so Herod then, based on God's word, directs the Magi to Bethlehem. So off they go to Bethlehem based on revelation through the scriptures. So creation and then scripture guides them ultimately to Jesus. God reveals himself then finally and ultimately in Jesus himself, in the person Jesus. This is the final, full, complete revelation of God to every seeker. New Testament scholar Dale Bruner, he reflects on the scene at the manger and he describes kind of like this culmination of God's self-disclosure this way. Finally, God's revelation in Christ satisfies the quest. Creation's revelation can bring human beings only halfway. Scriptural revelation has the power to bring us home to Christ. God in His goodness is the author of both revelations and uses both. The knowledge the Magi have is is small, it's tiny at the beginning. But they go all in with what they have. They devote themselves in search of more. And this is one of the things we learn about what it means to be a seeker. And I'm talking about seeking after God, even even after we have encountered God. There's a a seeking way of living our lives, of just questing, of seeking to know God more, better, or during times of doubt, to wrestle again with questions and seek after Him. This shows us what an honest search for the truth looks like. And I I mean searching with all your heart. All your mind, all your soul, not a dabbling kind of search. If you have a little bit of light and you think, what is the fullness of that truth? And you dabble, you're a dilettante in understanding the truth of who God is. You will be misled. It takes an all-in search. And that's what we see from the Magi. We can't stand back. Honest searching doesn't allow us to kind of hold things at bay, stay completely safe, untouched, everything under control, and inspect it from this detached distance. We have to throw ourselves in in order to receive this revelation of who God is. And that's what the Magi do. They have journeyed hundreds of miles based on nothing but a star. They have risked to take this journey. It's estimated that they would have traveled for at least five weeks at great cost of the the cost of the caravan and everything that it took to provision themselves everywhere that they stayed, and not to mention the gifts, the expensive gifts that they brought in hopes of finding what they were looking for. This kind of search, seeking, takes all of us. It's pilgrimage, it's a journey. And we don't stay in the same place, just like the Magi. Another thing we learn about this seeking life, this seeking after God life, we don't stay in the same place. It's not static, it's It's dynamic. The terrain changes. The weather changes. The conditions changes. The dangers change. Levels of hope rise and fall. Weakness 
strength and ebbs and flows. Fears come and go. And sometimes periods of doubt. But we say, is this even worth it? Do I keep on going or do I turn back? This faith is putting one foot literally like the Magi in front of another. This kind of faith, despite the circumstances, applies to every one of us. It might be that there's something for you that right now, let's say you, you, you maybe come in this morning in grief, maybe in the morning in these weeks or months, some kind of loss in your life, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe something else that's been precious to you, a relationship of some kind or a voc- vocational loss or something that's precious to you and you're grieving this loss. And simply to put one foot in front of the other is what it means to live like the Magi and to take that step with the light that you have, just a little bit of light, and that's all it takes, just a little bit of light, with this, take a step in the direction of Bethlehem. Maybe it's the end of a marriage, the demise of a marriage, or a marriage that's already ended. Take one step at a time and just stay on that path, seeking after God. Unsure, maybe, about your connection with people, your relationships, your community life. Maybe there's some loneliness. Maybe you're wondering if you're really connecting with people, wondering if you fit in here or fit in in, the, in your workplace or fit in with your own family or whether you, where do you fit? Maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe it's the challenges of aging. One step in front of another, faithing your way. Not just a mental assent to an idea of a list of doctrines, in a moment like this, I'm talking about put one foot in front of the other and just keep walking with a little bit of light that you have. And everybody who's in this room did that today. Despite whatever obstacles you have in your life, in your heart, around you, every reason you might have not to do that, you put one foot in front of the other, and you came to worship the living God because you had a little bit of light. Maybe some of you feel like you're in the brightness of the sun right now, and that's awesome too because that's part of the journey of the Magi too. They get there. They are face-to-face with Jesus at the end of the story. And we find ourselves at different places at different times of life on this pilgrimage. And if you don't long for God like this, ask Him for that longing. We only experience God um, at the depth of our longing for Him. I know most of you, and I know that you long for God. You're seeking Him. You're hungry. That's why you're here. You're here to meet the living God and the good news of the gospel, the good news of this story of the Magi, is that even while we are seeking in this long, long journey that sometimes feels up and down and rocky, that even as we're seeking, we realize at some point along the way that we have all along been carried in the palm of his hand, and we can't see it. So often in the middle of the journey, it's so dark that we can't see that God is with us, and we think we're going towards him, but he's been carrying us, and it's only in retrospect that we look back and we see the hand of the Lord in our lives. But he's there and he carries us. He carries you. He carries me. This is grace. This is mercy. 
God is searching for a heart, hearts that are tender, hearts that are open, hearts that are yielded, hearts that are desperate. And usually those kind of hearts are in some kind of pain. That's the paradox. (laughs) He's looking for that tenderness and that tender place, that place of desperation. And he shows up right there. But it often takes some trial, some pain to crack our hearts open and for us to be receptive to that. Now, what do the Magi teach us about how to respond once that we find or have been found in the seeking? We realize that we have arrived in the presence of God or that God has sought us and was seeking us all along. What we see in the Magi is that in this moment happens for them, what do they do? They fall down. They fall down upon their faces, prostrate, and worship. And that's that moment where we ourselves, we have these, these moments before the living God where we realize that He is good, and He is loving, and He is wise, and that this gospel of grace has brought us here. And all we can do is bring him our gifts, fall down, and worship. That first epiphany where the Magi did that, in which Jesus was revealed to the Magi, and and through them as representatives, revealed to one nation. That first epiphany would echo throughout history with a thousand epiphanies to all nations. And they will bring their gifts, and glory to Jesus. It's described as the city of God. We have a picture of this in Revelation. It says this, verse 23, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. I imagine that this kind of worship that took place in microcosm right there as the Magi, these Persians, came and fell to their knees before the child that was born to be king. And I imagine that they were totally entranced, full of astonishment, full of awe at the glory of God. As we look at their story, I want to ask, maybe, where do you see yourself in the story? Do you see yourself maybe at the very beginning when they first get this, this inkling that there's a light that they need to follow, and they're curious, and they pack their bags, and they set out walking? There's a curiosity. Are you in that place of being curious? At very, for its very early stages, And there are ways that we can cycle back through some of these with a kind of childlike, fresh curiosity all over again. Are you in that that place? Curious. The next category would be a seeker. And this is while on journey, the long journey, and, and they're seeking after him. They arrive in Jerusalem. They ask sincere questions to find Jesus in Jerusalem. Are you in that seeking place? Following the light that you have longing for more. Maybe it's as a worshiper at that moment 
where you feel like you're in a place right now where God is revealing himself to you greatly and you're just responding with, with glad adoration. Or maybe it's the final stage and this is when the Magi leave and they receive a message from the Lord to go home by another way for their own good and they obey. And so maybe it's this life of obedience that there's something, that there's a message from the Lord. God's word is speaking to you in a way that you need to obey. You need to walk in obedience for your own good. God's goodness is directing you in obedience. He's saying, oh, go this way. This is the way of life for you. Walk in it. Maybe that's something that you're hearing from the Lord right now, a particular area of your life where he's asking of obedience for you and, his, and asking for your trust. Wherever you are, I want to pray for you and ask that the, God would meet us in that place we who once were outsiders, uh, that we might receive the mercies of, of being brought in and that then we might become those who show the same kind of mercy to those the world often calls outsiders. The outsiders become our teachers. It's so often the case in Scripture, they are the teachers of the insiders in Scripture. And today, often, that is the case as well. Let's pray. God, some of us are in this place of curiosity. We feel like we don't know a lot. But we know a little, we have a little bit, we have a little light. And we're just following the little light that we have, but we're curious, God. And I ask if there's anybody here who is in that place, that you would give them the courage to keep following the light, that little light that they have, open their hearts, Lord, soften their hearts, and sustain them in the journey as you continue to show yourself to them. Lord, for those who are on the long journey, the seeker, that seeker pilgrimage that characterizes so much of our lives, the ups and downs, the shifting terrain and weather of our lives, the different people we encounter, the ebbs and flows of weakness and strength of our faith, but we're, we're on that journey we're seeking. Lord, we pray that you would, for every one of us, that you would give us the ability to persevere through trial. That on the darkest nights, the coldest nights, you would give us that kind of faith that we were just talking about. That faith that learns to live in the mystery and to keep putting a one foot in front of the other towards you, Jesus. And Lord, if we are those who are worshiping, Lord, I pray that you would guard that, protect that. Anyone here who's in that place of just Having seen your goodness and received your mercy, in some way, Lord, you have revealed yourself to them or done something in their lives, and they are full of glad adoration today. Lord, would you protect that from the enemy, protect that from anyone or anything that would steal it, allow them to enjoy you in your presence in glad adoration. And then, Lord, finally, for any of us where you, to whom you're speaking a word, that we need to obey, uh, would you give us the humility to lay down our self-rule, our rights, our efforts at independence, and, and help us to yield to you and to follow you, to obey you, to trust you in what it is you're calling us to. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.